And my dad, I, I think I came off of his line, but um, he told me all the time, 10% brain power, 90% ass power. But you are specifically created, designed as the most unique person in the history of this world. Never forget that. You and I, all leaders listening in, we have the privilege of impacting someone else's life. They go sit at the dinner table and they're saying something to their spouse or their kids about, hey, uh, my boss is X or my boss is amazing. The things that we did in the past will not work today in this market. You will eek by at best. You can't eek by. You're considered an, a, a very accomplished human being. You're an executive leader. When you think of your leadership journey, what have you learned about leadership? I think that one of the biggest things is, is showing up. Um, I was with a recruit yesterday. She owns her own company. She said, um, I wish, I said, what's your biggest challenge? And she said, um, that my loan officers don't have the, the, the get after it like I do. And I said, you know, it's too bad you can't clone your DNA. I, I look at that with my dad. Um, I was the one, I'm the oldest of five kids. They're all smart. I'm the dumb guy. My sister graduated number one out of Notre Dame's MBA class. All my other brothers are doctors. And uh, I was the one kind of pushing rope. And my dad, I, I think I came off of his line, but um, he told me all the time, 10% brain power, 90% ass power. Um, I, I, I tell people all the time, I, I will not be outworked. And um, I have my priorities straight. I, I look at the Vince Lombardi mentality. It's God first, family second, Green Bay Packers third. And um, in, in my business life, it, it, that's my Packers. And so it's God first, family second, and, and this third. I remember when I came to this company, um, you know, I work at a law firm as well, but I, when I came to this company, I said, no one will outwork me, but I won't divorce my wife and kids to get success because that's the wrong success. I, I, I am not moving in, in those core pillars in my life. You know, it's interesting. Uh, you just mentioned your parents, five kids, all doctors, and you're an attorney. They should feel quite proud. Of course, you're an executive leader as well and an author. I heard you say that uh, they were more accomplished than you. I don't know them. I don't even need them. They're smart. I won't say more accomplished, but they're smart. If you look back, what's the greatest mistake you made as a leader early on that if anybody's listening in that you would say, don't do X. I did it because, man, I really want to bring as much power and passion and value to others that are listening in because most of us got the leadership role and we got no instructions of how to do it and we had to figure it out along the way. What was um, some of your gravest mistakes you think you've learned from? You know, I, I think authenticity can mesh with leadership. Um, I, I, I like, like in my work family, I, I built my work family to over the years to mirror my, my personal family. And in all my years, it, it's taken me decades to realize, um, I get very, de I get very demanding with my, my kids. My wife and I will have disagreements. And, um, yet, um, she's committed to me till death do us part. And, um, my kids, if I get irritated with them, they know I love them. I, I think if I bring that to my work, it took me a long time to realize I'm not just yes, serving. Yeah, you serve, but if you really want to be great, you have to serve as you would serve your family. And that's by demanding. I mean, I, I tell 
my, my, you know, my language, my, my languages. Um, I think I'm very articulate, but when it comes to my authenticity, sometimes I just let it fly and I will get in people's face here, but they know that I, I'm not like doing it out of mood. I never let my mood ever run, um, the way I interact with people. Now I will get ticked off or pissed off at people because I see them as my father saw me not trying. I'm not applying myself 10% brain power, 90% ass power. When I hear people in this market talking about woe is me, woe is the market. Okay. What are you going to do about it? I can't just like that recruit yesterday. She can't go ahead and take her DNA. And, and, and you know, my dad told me one thing a long time ago. He said, it, it takes a long time for, for men, for boys in particular to flip their switch. Once they flip their switch, it's pretty easy. The girls always flip their switch a lot easier. Yet I do have sales executives here that are female and male that are afraid of, you know, being authentic and going out and putting, um, themselves out there. The one thing I think about is, you know, you are specifically created, designed as the most unique person in the history of this world. Never forget that. And I think for me to realize that ain't cocky. In fact, it's the opposite. If I don't realize that I was made unlike anybody else. Um, I am awesome. I, there's no one better than me right here. The rest of the world, the rest of the 99 skill sets, 99% of the skill sets I suck at. Um, but in my lane, there's no one better than me. I was designed for that. And, and I think that if, if, if my, um, workers, if my branch managers, if my LOs, if they can realize how awesome they were made, and they live within the lane, that that's uh, quite honestly, I, I, I'll flip it around. It's a sin not to, to have that belief because uh, you were designed. Why waste it? I mean, you can't, you can't, you can't waste it. Too much regret. You know, one of my favorite things is I'll just say this. It's harder to live and carry regret than it is to fail, but it's easier for people to, you know, tolerate the cycle of failure. I hate that. Well, there's no growth if you don't fail or don't stumble or don't struggle, right? You're just uh, coasting. So I wouldn't say let's invite struggle, but let's not reject it. Let's look at it as what it is. And it's part of growing that skill set for, for your calling, if you will, your purpose. And when I think about what I've learned, by the way, which is interesting because that question makes me reflect and I couldn't agree with you more being authentic, admitting when you don't know something. But without a team, you're pretty much non-existent. You have to be able to pour into others. And I'd say the first thing is realizing that being a leader now means you're in a servant mindset. What can I do to serve my people to help them? So how do you keep, I mean, you know, the world right now is crazy. The market's crazy. Different industries are having different struggles. I know in your industry, you're having some challenges. How do you motivate your team and keep them inspired when business is so down? Oh, uh, beatings. <laughs> well, I'll agree with that. Uh, paddling, I remember, as a, I, in, in, I went to a Catholic school, so they paddled back then. Can you believe that? Anyway, uh, okay. So how do you keep them inspired and motivated in this tough market? Well, I think that's the $64,000 question. I will tell you, um, I feel within my division or my district, if you will, uh, I feel, again, this sounds arrogant, um, but I, I think I do it better than maybe some of my peers. And, and the reason is two reasons. I bring them together um, every week. I, I said, you guys are fortunate. Not only do you work for this company, and not only do you have me, I have you. 
but more importantly, you have each other. And we have created a family where we share. And um, I think about my, my two old bosses, one would share everything and the other one would, would hide everything. He would never share because he was afraid people were going to steal it. And my other boss, who was his partner, said, I, I'll give it all out. 85% of people won't use it. And they won't ever do it. They don't want change. But if they're more prosperous, so am I. But uh, I, I make them share. I have high demands. I, I, I give them all homework that's due to me by Friday. Not one of them likes it. And I, I, I even brought that up on the phone call. I said, how many people are you mad at me? And how many people are you excited? Every single one of them said they're not excited. They understand it because we are in unique times. And if I'm not willing to go ahead and pour myself into them and demand, as maybe their parents did or should have done when they were kids, they demanded more. My father demanded more. He saw more into me than I saw myself. I remember telling him when I graduated college, I'm like, Dan, I want to make $100,000 a year. And he said, 100. He goes, shit, I want you to make 300. And I'm like, huh, he thinks higher of me than I think of myself. And that was a big number back then, you know? And so I see really great things with the people that are with me. In fact, I see talents. And I, I think that the hardest thing for me to do is chip away at whatever's blocking them from seeing those. I'm, I'm not a therapist. I mean, I, well, I was, but, uh, but I'm not like, um, I, I, there's a block. I, you, you and I both know Steve Scanlon. One of my favorite lines, he says, is the longest journey any human being can take is 18 inches from head and heart. Once those combined to each other, you're off the races. Um, but I, I guarantee you, there's not one person that comes in here or in my region that says, hey, we're going to kick butt today. And they're like, mm, I got to change. Um, I want to do what I did yesterday. I'm comfortable. I want to tell you a real quick story. You know, speaking of therapy, um, I uh, had a clinical psych and I had, uh, what would you call it, a psychotherapy practice or uh, psychology practice. I hated it. Um, but there's two populations I really liked. And one that I really liked were abused women. And, and here's the reason why. You know, abused women, they love the cycle because they know the cycle. It happened to their mom. It's happening to them. The spouse or, or significant other abuses them. He feels bad afterwards, promise it'll never happen. She threatens him. You know, she might even leave. He winds and dines her. And, um, you know, next thing you know, everything's great. Next thing you know, he's drinking again. She drops the dishes, whatever it might be, and the beatings come again. One out of every 19 or 20 women would leave and start putting a boundary around her. And saying, I'm not going to go back at least a week and then maybe two weeks. And what happened was this little micro seed started to sprout. Now, I never, whether they went back or not, wasn't really what my goal was with them. What I wanted them to do is be able to see this, what God put inside them, the DNA. Same thing at work here. I mean, that, that's an extreme example. At work, we're just talking about success. The things that we did in the past will not work today in this market. You will eke by at best. You can't eke by. I have a commitment to them. I have a commitment to their families. They put their whole family with me, but they got to have that seed grow. So when you say you liked abused women in the sense of counseling them and hopefully won't see it because they're in this cycle, we don't know the stories of the people that report to us, right? And that, that was leaders. 
And quite often we don't go that deep or they don't disclose or share some of the depths of who they are and why they are where they are. So when I look at leadership and I look at the significance of it, and I hope anybody listening in, I mean, it is significant responsibility. You and I, all leaders listening in, we have the privilege of impacting someone else's life. They go sit at the dinner table and they're saying something to their spouse or their kids about, hey, my boss is X or my boss is amazing. Uh, one of the most important thing for me is they feel, you, sh you could not have said it better whether you realize it or not just now, you said, I believe in them. I believe in them. And, and as leaders, we have to believe in the people that are around us and they need to know that we believe in them and that they're more capable because man, there's nothing more empowering than somebody who believes in you, right? Yeah, I think when my father, he believed in me, I, I, I would rather just screwed around oftentimes and uh, he demanded more. And once I realized I was actually smart, it was his thing about 10% brain power, 90% ass power. I was comparing myself to these remarkable siblings that were just designed with an incredible DNA to, to get after it and study. And I hated that. Uh, I could do it. I went through law school. It took me a while to flip that switch, but once you own it, you know, Katie bar the door. Katie bar the door. So can we flip over for a minute? You decided to become an author and write a book. Here you are in executive leadership and a successful law practice. You got a family of five kids. Anybody listening, this man's got lots of things pulling at him. What inspired you to write the book? Well, it's kind of funny because um, when I was in college, they said, um, I think I switched my majors like at least five times, maybe six or seven. And they're finally like, you know, dude, you got to graduate. And they said, if you're not sure what you want to do, get into literature and communications. They made me write. And it's the first time I, I, I blew a professor away with something I wrote. And she's like, you're, you're amazing. And I'm like, no one's ever told me I'm amazing yeah. in, in my academics. Later, my, my son got in, uh, in an accident. I was pulling him behind my, my uh, snowmobile and um, he got airlifted. I put in that pediatric intensive care unit. Sorry about that. Um, and um, I knew at that moment that um, I was going to be there for a while. <laughs> so when I went and grabbed him, I grabbed a book. And I just started writing stuff down. And I brought my laptop. And I was like, I'm going to stay. I told Michelle, she, it's not her responsibility. It's mine. I'm the one who got him in this accident. And so people started asking more and more and more. What's going on? How old is how old is he at this time? Between six and eight years old. I'd have to look back. And I felt horrible. Um, he was a, the greatest kid. If it wasn't my next kid, he would have died because he whined about everything. And, and Brett never whined about a, a single thing. I knew something bad. He tore a spleen. And anyways, long story short, we 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 go there and everybody says, What's going on? What's going on? I got tired of saying the same story. And so I just um I started typing and I said, Michelle, just share this with whoever's asking. Here's the update. People are crying. And I'm like, wow, it's kind of cool. And so at some point I'm like, you know what? Maybe I'm an I'm, I'm okay writer. Maybe I know how to take stories of ordinary people and talk about the struggles I went through. And really ultimately came down to, I just had this passion to go ahead and want to change people's lives through the book. I, I, I want to make this disclaimer. I, I'd like to sell one to three million, 10 million copies. I, I don't even care about the money. 
uh, what I care about is that people actually read it and they understand that there's average people like you and I. I know, I, I, I actually, you and I, <clears throat> we talked and I begged you to be in the, in the book and you told me no because you're outside, you know, uh, projects. But I think all these people have make a decision that they're going to be a victim or they're going to, they're going to take charge of their life. So in the book, there's multiple stories that made me cry. Highly recommend it for anyone listening in, uh, in name of the book, Larry. It's no rewind. And I went and got a copy just so I can be oh, one of these selfish. Yeah, no rewind. And you know, I don't know if you know this, but one of my personal mottos is no regrets. Like, I don't ever want to look back and say, I wish I had a coulda, woulda, shoulda. And I don't want to rewind. No rewind. And so your book is right in alignment with that. But it tells multiple stories of people in the book and how they persevered. And you will walk away inspired to shift your mindset to take control of your life and to appreciate and have gratitude. So how about we end with your favorite story in the book? Boy, you know, say there's so many, I mean, a, a favorite, by the way, it's being republished. I got a, a mainstream publisher that's picking it back up. I'm not pulling away uh, a couple chapters. I need some more. You know what? I'm going to just, I never do this one, but you know what? Um, I, I um, kind of talk about my brother, Eric. And um, so he's a doctor, married five kids. I, we, we all Catholics have five kids or eight kids. Another brother had. He leaves his medical practice, is going to the Christmas party. He's on the corner of Randall Road at Dean Street, and the light turns green, and he's at a big, big, big blazer. He's a cigar smoker. He just rolled his window down, lit up a cigar, headed to the Christmas party, and the uh, light turns green. He goes forward, and, and, and there's an 18-year-old dropped his compact disc, back to way a compact disc, and, and his pickup truck reached down to grab it and blew the intersection at 55 miles an hour, T-boned him. He was... They got a flight for life. They got a helicopter, medevaced him, and they, they sent him down to Loyola Hospital. Um, they, uh, um, they said that uh, my my dad said, um, he, my dad's an anesthesiologist. Um, you know, he 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 looked at it. And he's like, you know, it doesn't look good. <laughs> he might die. And um, I was really upset. And so my sister and I went down to visit him, um, and he was all drugged up and. Long story short, he ends up going to a rehab facility. Um, they told him he'd probably be a vegetable, definitely won't practice again. Eric's got tenacity. I mean, he he was the one, you know, learning disability, and yet he he knew day one he was going to be a doctor, and somehow I became a doctor and a surgeon at that. And so he spends nine months in RIC, Rehab Institute of Chicago. Afterwards, and his wife, she muted probably about mm, an hour every day and, and, and would beg the nurses uh, not to kick him out with visitation and she would sleep uh, on the floor or in a chair next to him. And here they are, I have five kids. I just remember my dad saying, it's not supposed to be this way. It's supposed to be us before the kid who dies. Um, Eric <clears throat> tells me, this is all, the one time I felt really bad, probably about a week or two in, he, he says, you know what, Larry? He goes, I'm gonna give it a year. If it works, it works. <clears throat> if not, I'm going to go ahead. I know how to make it look like an accident. I'm, I'm, I'm checking out. I'm, I'm out of this world. And I just remember looking at it like, no, dude, no, no. And I'm like, no. And um, 
But he, you know what? Looking back on it, he was um, so drugged up and he's not thinking right. I bring it up to him today. He doesn't, I never said that. And, um, you know, he, 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 he didn't. Anyways, long story short, they tell him he has to go ahead and um, work out one hour a day, you know, a- after the whole RAC is done. And he, and they tell me he can't smoke cigars. And so he's like, I don't give a shit. He goes, that's his words. I don't give a shit. And so he goes and he walks, works out four hours a day and he has a cigar. He goes, I'm having four my cigar. Hours? Four he hours? Four hours a day. He works out two hours in the morning, works out two hours in the afternoon. He's back. He's walking. They said he'd be a, a, a paraplegic. He has, I always say affectionately, his old lady walker. And his wife takes him out or his kids take him out. He said one of the best things that happened to him, he spent so much time building his medical practice. He probably wasn't a great husband and a great father. He says he knows more about what's going on with his girls and his son than than even his wife does. He's back in medical practice just two years ago, won the Doctor of the Year Award. He is not a surgeon anymore. He's, um, you know, meeting with patients, inspiring them. Um, I tell him he's one of two people I know in my entire life that can go ahead and talk to the wall for three hours and when he, or five minutes. And when he leaves, the wall feels pretty damn good about itself. He's got, he's got a, a way to lift people up. He, he's awesome. <clears throat> you just recently, every Sunday I drive out to his house and, and, and um, we, we have a cigar together. We, we weren't close for a long time because he was so involved with his world. I was with mine, but now that our kids are older, we, we really reconnected in a deep way. So he's, he, he's, he's an amazing man. What a beautiful story. And if you read the book, he's going to make you cry throughout the entire thing. I don't know if you guys are emotional and listening in, but I will tell you, you'll walk away um, inspired to shift yourselves and know that anything is possible and that you're in your own way. Larry, your dad should be incredibly proud of you and your siblings, without a doubt. I'm guessing he's the inspiration for your life. Well, I, you know, the, the most unsung hero is my mom. You know, my, my dad had a, a smart ass comment many, many years ago. He said, your mom's going to get you to heaven and I'm going to make you a success. Mom poured into us spiritually. I could tell you without that spiritual component. I mean, she's, she is the rock that keeps the family together. Dad is a grinder. So between her spiritual faith, uh, the way that she is not just has a high spiritual faith, the way she pours into other people, it's amazing. Dad's not one to pour into people. He is um, a man of very few words, one of my greatest friends. And having, I worked with him two years before I went to law school, but to have him at 85, be a great mind and health, comes over probably once every two weeks, we cook out and he has a tequila with me. <laughs> so he is, I, 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 I rue the day that they're not with me. Well, Larry, you know how much I love you and care for you and your I love family. You. You're like your family. I was going to say the same thing. You are family to my wife, Michelle, and I, and all of our kids. We love you. We love Rob. And you've been a blessing to me. I met you many, many years ago through one of our corporate events here. And that, you know, I don't know if you ever remember this, but um, you made fun of me because you said about how you have to have a really nice professional uh, LinkedIn profile picture. And I had that. Do you remember this? No, I don't remember this. Um, uh, you, you brought it up. You're like, who wants to do that? I'm like, you can look at mine. I got a picture of me trying to lick my wife's ear. Right. And that was in there. <laughs> and putting it up in front of the whole group. And then later uh, on, we're hanging out, building champions. I'm drinking and picking on you. And next thing you know, we're, 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 we're really lifelong friends, I hope. 
Yeah, my mom, my, my husband always says, or my mama says, if they're picking on you, that means they like you. So I like you a lot, Larry. So yeah. with that, I hope everybody listening in, you, you, you don't know Larry personally, but there's so many nuggets. Something else you said, I'm just, and I'll end with this because I don't want this to pass. You made a comment when I said, how do you motivate and inspire your team in a difficult market? You said weekly. Do you know how many people say they meet with their sales teams once a month, once every two months? They, you know, that, hey, they're independent contractors and or they're 1099 or they're straight commission. Uh, well, if you aren't meeting and inspiring and, and pouring into them, who will? And in a difficult market, they need you more than they've ever need you, needed you to look forward. So I want to applaud you for seeing and having that instinct. Let me say one thing, uh, and I'll shut up. But um, seasons of life, um, you know, I picked up golf five years ago, and I put my golf membership on hold this year. I knew it was going to be a difficult, and I can't go ahead and say that I'm going to go spend all this time by myself and neglect my team, Ooh. expect them to respond. And so I have had less free time I've ever had at my old, old age now. And, uh, but I know it's a season and it'll pass, but if I don't do it, who will? And, um, someone needs to care and love on someone. And that means even making, having tough decisions and tough, tough uh, conversations. I love you, buddy. I love you too, sweetie. You have an amazing day. Thank you for spending a few minutes with me. Anyone listening in, I hope you enjoyed the spirit and the love of this man. I know him personally. I certainly hope it came through in today's conversation. Take care, darling. 